What's up, What's the Res listeners? This is Ethan Delves bringing you insight and analysis on the current resolutions in high school debate. Before we get started, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my little sister, Mia, for taking our Instagram pictures and making the page look absolutely phenomenal. Seriously, if you haven't seen the Instagram page yet, you should totally go check it out. It looks great. Be sure to be looking out for that daily post. They're totally awesome. Also, Instagram is a great place to send us any feedback that you have, and we actually got some. This question was a really good one from my friend Patrick, and he asks, how do I send in feedback? Patrick, I don't know how that's feedback, but you know what? I'll take it. I think it's great. If you want to send us feedback for with a What's the Res podcast, please do email us at whatstherez at gmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-S at gmail.com. Or feel free to follow us on the brand new Instagram page. It looks great at whatstherez underscore, as well as our Twitter page. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. One of the highlights of all of my debate experiences was actually a comment that Josh made to me when I was in seventh grade, like right around the time that I first joined debate. And what he said was that debate was a sport. And I just thought at first that (laughs) this was the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard because a sport is like physical activity, right? And then debate is just this separate world of like nerds battling it out with crazy arguments and statistics and sitting at desks for hours writing cases. And everyone else thought that this comment was hilarious too. And I even tried to defend it for a while. I was like, well, debates this, debates that, and so are sports. It really didn't work. Everyone still just took it way too not seriously. And Joss's comment really just fell through. But then I began to wonder why in the world would he say something like this? Because what similarities does he see between the two? And I'm still not sure what his answer to that would be. But I've realized more recently that I actually do see a connection between sports and debate, even if it's not physical activity. And the connection is this. There's an on-season and there's an off-season for both sports and debate. See, in sports, the on-season is when you're playing games and the off-season is when you're not playing games and you're practicing, or not really practicing, but it's like you're not in the sport at all. So you're training or maybe you're going to extra conditioning or something like that. But debate, there's an on-season when you're at a tournament and you're preparing for tournaments, but then there's a period where there's a little off-season and you don't have a lot of tournaments that you have to go to. And there's really an analogy here because you can you can kind of do two different things to prepare for like sports games or sports events and debate tournaments or preparing for debate tournaments. And that's that you can relax during all of the off season and then cram before a game or a tournament or maybe cram right before a season where you're writing all your cases and getting all of your information, reading up on the news, things like that. Or you can train throughout the off season and come back really strong, having a strong foundation of knowledge to really go off of. And I was thinking about this because recently I've kind of been struggling as far as coming up with arguments goes. And I was wondering, how do you train for debate? Because for a sport, it seems really obvious. You get some friends together, you go see your team, go to conditioning, and you play the sport. You practice the moves and you get better. But for debate, it's a little bit different. This is a an academic exercise that not as many people do as people do sports. So I started going through my head and I was thinking about What can we do to train for debate to strengthen our skills, seeing that debate is a skill and public speaking is also a skill, so that we can get better and improve our game when we go to tournaments and we want to compete well? So one of the hardest things in debate that I notice is the fear of public speaking, and I almost made an entirely separate episode just about the fear of public speaking, because this is actually the number one fear in the entire United States. And this is above arachnophobia, burning alive, drowning, all of these crazy things. People actually fear public speaking more. And this was just absolutely mind-blowing to me. I was thinking there's there's got to be no way that people fear public speaking more than death. But apparently they do, because that's the statistic that I found. And Dr. Ben Voth from the Coolidge Foundation also said this in one of his introductory speeches when we went up to go for the Coolidge qualifier and visit. 
And there's also another hard thing I wanted to point out about debate, and that's the research, keeping up with data, and interpreting that data. Especially the interpretation part can be tricky because you can have so many numbers in front of you. Data is really not that hard to find. You can find it on Google, pretty much law reviews, you know, think tanks. Data is literally everywhere. Making sense of that data and interacting with it in an academic and straightforward manner to where you can communicate it to a judge is a whole different story. Then data just becomes an entirely different battle. That is another hard thing that you have to do in order to practice for tournaments and practice just public speaking in general. So how in the world do you train for something that's such an intense and rigorous academic exercise? And is it possible to limit that fear of public speaking so it doesn't act as a hindrance to you when you're trying to perform a speech or a debate case? Here's what I came up with. I had a wonderful round with a teacher today. His name's Dr. Begley, an amazing teacher. He's a Latin teacher at Thales Rollsville, fellow Thales goer, if you will. And he, I had a debate with him today in preparation for the Coolidge tournament, which is on Saturday, which is in, let's see, today's Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, in like three days, about three days. And I'm super hyped for this tournament, and I had a great preparation round with him. He was just helping me think through my arguments. And here's what happened. I was preparing for the Coolidge Cup. I had prepared my case for weeks. I had done so much research, gone through so many articles and, and different sites. He had made his case in a few minutes with none of it on paper and took no notes. And he, we pretty much tied the round after weeks of preparation and almost no preparation. I would even say he won the round, but the judge came up with no decision. I realized that debate is not about preparation because he did phenomenal on such a little amount of preparation. Anybody can write a debate case, and if you want to know how to write a debate case, just a quick shout out to an older episode that I made. We actually do have an episode on an introduction to how to write debate cases that I highly recommend for anybody who is just starting debate or wanting to refresh his memory as far as how does case writing go. For Lincoln Douglas Public Forum and Policy Debate, we have a quick crash course on that in an earlier episode. If you want to go check it out, the title's pretty straightforward. You should be able to find it pretty easily. But back to the point, a true debater actually has the mindset to be constantly learning about the world and assess the ideas that it has to offer. Because again, it is not about preparation. It is actually about developing a foundation of knowledge. Debate is not solely about preparation, at least, is what I've come up with so far. You need to have a solid foundation of knowledge from which you can articulate from which you can articulate yourself. See, I'm already tripping up and I'm like, have no audience or anything. So seriously, right? Anyways, this means that in rebuttals, cross-acts, and speech events, you'll be able to put your ideas together better because notice how they're all thinking on your feet kind of things because you have the knowledge necessary to fill in the gaps that your statistics do not cover. For example, rebuttals and cross-acts, like I've already said, your statistics will come up there, but they won't fill in every single gap and string together those ideas that you need in order to win the round or make your opponent get stuck in a trap. So how do you go about developing a foundation of knowledge? I have about six points here that I came up with that I think would really help in your journey to develop your foundation of knowledge. This is what has helped me so far, and this is what I do with Josh on my own to help build my debate skills so that I can not only do this podcast better, but my public speaking better and my tournaments better. And as I've done these things over time, I've really noticed how I've improved in my debate skills, so I wanted to share it on the podcast today. The first is read, and there's really two things that reading is important for. One is that you might learn something. Now, I know that remembering things from reading can be really hard, and believe me, I'm with you, buddy. Like, I remember nothing from the books that I read, or not nothing, but I'll remember very few things or very few of the interesting things 
And the, you know, the more interesting the book is, the more you'll remember. I remember so much from 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Absolutely love that book. When it comes to school test books or school textbooks, not so much. I don't remember as much. Have to go back and study for those tests. But the most important thing about reading, in my opinion, is that you learn to articulate yourself better after you read really well-written sentences. It's almost like when you're learning a new language and you're trying to immerse yourself in that new language so that you can better articulate yourself in that language. You know, the grammar comes better and all of those tricky phrases that you don't know because you're not a native speaker start to come more naturally because you hear it and it's coming into your brain. I would argue that it's the same thing with reading. When you're reading, all of those well-written sentences are going into your head and making their way through your head and filtering their way into your ideas so that when they come out, I've noticed that my ideas are coming out with better vocabulary and just a better understanding, sounding like I have a better understanding and feeling like I have a better understanding of what I'm trying to say because I remember not only what those new words are, but how they fit together with other words so that I'm able to get my ideas across persuasively. My second point is listening to podcasts. Who would have thought? I think What's the Res, honestly, is a great podcast to listen to. No bias, or maybe a little bit of bias, since it is my podcast and Josh's podcast. Um, but honestly, we have really good interviews, and not to just shout out our own podcast. There's so many other ones out there. I actually, I really enjoy this one called The Clark Howard Show, which is about economics and there's even more debate podcasts out there. There's so many ones that you can listen to. Interviews are really good just with experts or just with people conversing and debating about different ideas. If you have a podcast running, you don't need to sit down and take time to simply listen to it. You can do it in the background while you're doing other things. And I've found that podcast listening is a great way to, and this isn't even reading the words. This is actually hearing well thought out sentences if they're really good podcasts and they're going straight into your head and you're actually thinking about them while you're doing other things so it doesn't take up a lot of time, but these ideas are processing while you're doing other stuff and it's really healthy for your mind to be able to take in those new ideas and then implement some of those speaking standards that you've recognized in other people's speech and your speeches and maybe you can get your ideas better across that way. Another piece of advice that I have, my third point, which is to debate regularly, kind of bringing it back to that sports analogy. If you want to get better at a sport, literally just practice it. It's the same thing with debate. If you want to get better at debate, practice debate. Just repetition, going through the rounds, going through the cases and the different resolutions will make you better at debate. And although this is a little bit time consuming to build entire cases just for a single practice, I promise you it's worth it because again, going through the motions, going through the process is all part of becoming a better debater. The next point I have for you is point four, which is to look at the news every day. This is especially for those public forum debaters out there as well as the policy debaters because NSDA resolutions as well as Coolidge resolutions and Dogwood ones as well for all those Dogwood debaters are, are typically chosen from current event news topics or something that's related to something that's very, very close in the present as far as time goes. And if you keep up with the news every day, maybe just every morning, every evening, check the news, maybe while you're at school, if you're allowed to use your phone, which I'm not. So anyways, if you can't check your phone at school, don't worry about it. Do it in the evening, do it in the morning, make it a part of your daily schedule. And you'll have the reasoning around these ideas as well as the statistics around these ideas already ingrained in your mind. So when you go to write cases and that resolution is chosen that's related to what you need to talk about, you would have already read news articles about it and you'll be good to go and have a good foundation of knowledge to jump off of while everyone else will be cramming and behind you. My fifth point is something called Debate Rondori. If you haven't heard of it, it's a really fun game that we like to play in our debate elective class. It's basically when everyone gathers in a circle and you have the resolution that you're talking about, 
and you've already done some um, beforehand research. It's kind of a, a little bit into the case writing process you would do this. Someone steps into the middle of the circle, takes a stance, affirmative or negative, and then they begin to debate that stance. As soon as someone has thought of a refutation to what you've said, if you're in the middle of the circle, then they have to high five you and they go into the circle and start refuting what you're saying. And then the pattern continues. Then someone else from the outside of the circle will give a high five to the inside person and just keep on refuting and refuting and refuting. And once you've gone so far down a rabbit hole, you choose a different point and restart the game. This helps keep everyone's knowledge really sharp as, as, it, as it relates to the topic and keeps everyone thinking on their toes. Because again, it's not about statistics, it's about how you use the statistics to your advantage in order to persuade a judge and persuade other people of what you're saying. Preparation is great, but Debate Rondori shows that public speaking skills, persuasion skills, and thinking on your feet skills are the most essential as far as debate goes. My next point and last point is something I like to call blitz cases, like blitz, like in football. And this is something that Josh and I came up with not too long ago. And the concept is basically choosing a resolution and then going to research that resolution, whatever it may be, really, really quickly. And the point is to get your ideas out as fast as possible. Blitz cases meaning that you don't have a lot of time to prepare, but the time that you do have, you go straight into research, straight into case writing, no revising, and just see what you can get out right off the whim. And doing this is really effective for building at how fast you can make your debate cases. It's also really good for building your research skills and how quickly you could find good information. But blitz cases are fun. They don't have to be perfect. It's like writing a ton of rough drafts for writing. Again, similar to the sports analogy, but this time it's a writing analogy. If you want to be a better writer, just keep writing. Just keep writing and writing. Revise later. If you want to be a good debater, revise the cases that are going to tournament. But if you want to practice writing cases effectively and quickly, try blitz casing. Come up with a resolution. Write an and an egg and maybe under an hour do some basic research see what you can find and give those cases later and find out how good of a job you did and then choose a different resolution and go from there so that really concludes the six points that i just wanted to get out on this episode see what you guys think again please send any feedback if you have any feedback for this episode Debate, my final point, is not all about preparing a strong case, because that'll only get you for the first through the first couple of speeches, just the constructive ones. Debate is just like a sport. You have to train in different ways and train hard. What you're doing is developing a foundation of knowledge, and that can be really tricky. Believe me, I know it can be frustrating, even in that debate today, where I'm just trying to get that one idea out, but I can't find the words to do it, and I can't draw on previous knowledge that I feel like I need in order to get my point out, because I don't have that knowledge. A really good way of thinking about this is the fact that the flow of your speech is not being interrupted in the foundation of the speech. The speech is probably okay. It slowly slips through the cracks of a non-ideal understanding of whatever you're talking about. And understanding is really the glue that helps hold together those gaps so that you can articulate yourself better and get your idea across more effectively. So what I found is that doing these things and doing them more regularly, again, I have to work on that as well. I really need to read the news more regularly. That's one thing for sure. But believe me, I enjoy every step of the way. I know how it feels to not be able to get ideas out. But the most important thing is having that mindset of constantly learning about the world and how to present yourself within it. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, if you would like to email us feedback, please feel free to do so. We would love to hear from you at whatstherez at gmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-S at gmail.com. Or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at whatstherez underscore. Be looking out for those shout out contests as well as our brand new Instagram page. Please do go check it out. We worked hard on it and it looks really awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and until next time, work hard, speak well, and seek the truth. <laughs>